Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. A lot of ground and a lot of stuff to cover on today's show. We're going to be talking about some lighter issues. We're going to be talking about some serious national issues. President Trump declaring victory by pulling troops out of Syria. Um, is it more complicated than that? Starting in about eight or nine minutes, the Marquette University Law School, which, although their polls you know, have been wrong, just, you know, really wrong on some occasions. They're still viewed, I think, as the gold standard for polling in Wisconsin. They've got some new poll numbers. They're going to be coming out, like I say, in about 10 minutes. We'll give you some instant analysis of that. Uh, the flu season is upon us. Why are people not getting flu shots? And lots, lots more, including if you live in the Madison area and you get your television over the air as opposed to via cable or satellite, well, you're not getting your television. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 Two new posts that kind of amplify on something that we discussed before and have talked about in the past. One is this controversy involving the use of the N-word at the Madison schools. Now, everybody knows the story by now. Uh, a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, you had an African-American student at Madison West High School who was completely and totally out of control. He had been thrown out of a classroom for being disruptive. The assistant principal was trying to steer the kid down to the office or wherever, and the kid was so out of control that they had to call the security guard. So they called the security guard, a 48-year-old man who also is African-American. The guy comes onto the scene, and the kid starts cursing both at the assistant principal and the security guard. And the kid who is African-American, is using the N-word and directing that at the black security guard. And in, in, you know, repeatedly, you know, and he's using the word constantly, and he's throwing in all sorts of other obscenities as well. The security guard says, look, don't call me that. That's inappropriate. Tells him to stop calling him that. And in telling him to stop calling it, the security guard says, don't call me blank. All right? The kid who, by the way, we still don't know if the kid received any discipline. The kid complains, oh, the security guard used the N-word. Well, yeah, he used it in this context. Madison School District apparently has a zero-tolerance policy that under no circumstances at all would it be appropriate to use the N-word. So they fire the security guard. Can you imagine that? And, of course, the principal at Madison West and the superintendent defend this idiotic decision. The story goes international. You've got people like Cher who are calling up and saying that they'll pay the guy's legal fees if he wants to sue. And in general, you know, the Madison School District and the people that make this decision look like a bunch of fools because i understand zero tolerance but the example i always give is you, you can you can have a rule but the penalties don't have to be the same it is like treating the high you can have a high school that has a no drugs on campus policy and you treat 
the kid who is selling heroin out of the gym the same way you treat the 14-year-old girl who brings some Midol in, in her purse. I mean, oh, well, it's no drugs. We're going to expel you all. That's nuts. And that apparently is the nutsy thing that's been going on in Madison. Well, in any event, as we talked about yesterday, the, the in the face of just public ridicule, the Madison School District has, has backed down, and they've rehired the security guard. I sent out a story, though, um, with a link to it on my Twitter account. Again, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Apparently, what wasn't known before this, and the new dazzling detail is, there are other staff members from the Madison School District who have been disciplined for using the N-word but without regard for context. I mean, we knew before that there were five or six people who'd been disciplined for using the N-word, but but they but they never explained why. Well, now it is starting to come out. For example, and I've got again, I've got a link to the story. One of the staff members who has been was suspended. Apparently, it was in a staff meeting. All right, in a staff meeting. So this is with other members of the, the school staff and asked at the staff meeting, how are we supposed to police students' use of the N-word while advancing black excellence in the school? So the staff member stands up and says, I'm concerned with the kids who are using the N-word. And she says the N-word, you know, in the context. What, What do we do with kids who are saying this? And she says that word. She was suspended. (laughs) <laughs> she's, she's like, okay, we got kids that are saying this word. How are we supposed to deal with this? She is suspended for uttering the word in that context. Can you imagine what goes on here? All right, in addition, there's another situation where a staff member was fired. Fired. Here's apparently what happened. There is a student in school who is playing loudly one of the rap songs or something like that that's got the n-word in it the teacher says you you, you got to stop that you can't be playing that song the teacher the kid says what's the matter what do you mean i can't play this song and the teacher says are, are you listening to the lyrics it, it says it, it says that this this is the word and then she uses the n-word she said this is this guy saying this all the time or whatever you you, you can't have that the teacher gets fired for repeating the word that is on the song and explaining to the student this is inappropriate. They fire them. I mean, this stuff is just unbelievable how idiotic these bureaucrats can be when it comes to the application of zero-tolerance policies. So the the security guard being sacked, now rehired, is clearly it is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to pinheaded, politically correct bureaucrats in the Madison School District. So you can check that out. I've got a link to the story if you follow me on Twitter. In addition... Another follow-up. We talked on Monday about the story that broke at the end of last week. Menominee Falls is one of 31 school districts in the state that still use a Native American mascot. They are the Menominee Falls Indians. Menominee, by the way, is a Native American slash Indian name. The Menominee River runs through Menominee Falls. And so the, the Indian 
nickname has been, you know, part of the proud heritage of Menominee Falls pretty much forever. There is a new school superintendent, an uber politically correct school superintendent in Menominee Falls, who apparently sent out an email that became public saying that he didn't care. I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially didn't care what the discussion was and whether the community intended to get rid of this name because he was going to be taking all these steps to do away with the nickname because he was embarrassed by it and he was going to change the logo. He was already in the process of trying to change the logo to an F with feathers and that he would resign rather than either the logo goes or he goes, to which my response was, All right, politically correct school superintendent, do not let the door hit you on the way out. And, you know, it's it's just this idea that, okay, you can extort or blackmail the school board, etc. He said he's going to resign. Well, here's the follow-up to this. Apparently, this lasted, once this got public, my guess is he goes home and talks to his wife because they just bought a house in Menominee Falls, and now the school superintendent, according to the Journal Sentinel, regrets regrets the email that said he would resign if the school's mascot didn't change, to which I'm thinking, you know, you bet. I'll bet he regrets this. I, I'm sure you kind of get home and the wife says, you just, we bought this house. What are you doing sending an email saying that you're going to resign? Now, where, what's your next job going to be? You know, maybe you can go out to the Madison School District and get a job there or something like that. So he, he regrets it, did not intend to extort the school board or threaten them and recognizes the school board and the community gets to make the decision. Yeah, yeah, right. I am, of course, sure that he he regrets this. This reminds me of celebrities like Barbara Streisand. Remember, she said she was going to leave the United States if President Bush was reelected. Miley Cyrus. Remember, Miley Cyrus said that she'd be leaving the U.S. If, if President Trump was elected president. Well, last time I checked, Barbara Streisand is still in California and Miley Cyrus is still in the United States. And my guess is the uber politically correct superintendent in Menominee Falls. He's going to be hanging on in Menominee Falls as long as he possibly can, regardless of what the school district does. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right. I want to talk about Wisconsin high school sports for a minute. No, no, no. This is an analysis of who the best teams are. Very, very interesting issue. Most in, in most sports, like let's, let's take basketball, for example, in Wisconsin, doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. You're automatically eligible to participate in the state tournament. You know, you, you can lose all your games and you still participate in the state tournament. Football is a little bit different, and it gets it gets a little bit complicated, but you have to qualify for the playoffs. Now, 224 teams qualify for the playoffs, but so a lot of teams go in. But to qualify, you have to have a conference winning percentage better than 500. That, then if you have that, win more than half your games in your conference, you're guaranteed a spot in. If you finish with a conference record of 500, in other words, split them. You're eligible for the playoffs, but not guaranteed a spot. And it gets more complicated from that. But the bottom line is you have to qualify. There are some teams 
including my former high school, Nicolay, who have not qualified for the playoffs in 30 years. We weren't a football school when I was there, and that hasn't changed much over the years. All right. South Division High School in Milwaukee is another one of these schools. They play in the city conference, and um, they, they don't have a history of, of making long runs in the, you know, the football playoffs. They qualified this year. They went five and one. They won five out of six games in the city conference, the conference that they played in. So they automatically qualified. Now, the other three games, the non-conference games they played, they lost. So their overall record was five and four. But it doesn't matter. They, they qualified. They could go to the state playoffs. The coach made the decision to say, no, we're, we're not going to go. As a matter of fact, according to the Journal Sentinel, WIAA officials say they can't remember um, th- this, this ever happening because <laughs> they, they, teams want to go to the playoffs. So why would the team decide not to go to the playoffs? And here's what the coach said. Coach says, look, if we went to the playoffs, we would get creamed. Our, our school, we would be, you know, we would be paired up against either a Division One or a Division Two school from the suburbs. Said our school, you know, we, we have where it's listed as an enrollment of like thirteen hundred, but actually we, we really have closer to eight hundred kids. Said of the team, I've got twenty players on the team. I've got a couple who never played football before their senior year, which was this year. I've got a couple sophomores. I've got a couple freshmen who've never played football. He said, at the end of the day, I, I've really got only out of these 20 players that I'm limited to that I've got, I've only got about eight who, who really have any sort of experience at all. And he said, the truth is, if we went into the playoffs, we, we would, against one of these big school teams, we would get slaughtered. I know we would get slaughtered. We'd lose 50 to nothing, 60 to nothing, 70 to nothing. We would not be competitive. And he says, I don't see a purpose in going into these playoffs just to be, my phrase not his, cannon fodder for some big school team. He says, we're just not going to be competitive. So what they're going to apparently do is they've scheduled a, a, a tenth game. Rather than go into the playoffs, they're going to play some other team that's like 0-9 where you know they, they might. Maybe they'll win, maybe they won't. Don't know. But they've said no to going into the WIAA playoffs. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Normally the goal of schools in sports, normally the goal of teams in sports, high school, college, you know, junior leagues, you name it, and of course the pros, that the goal is to qualify for the playoffs and see what happens. Here the coach at South Division says, I know what's going to happen. We're going to get clobbered, and I just don't see any purpose in that. Did he make the right decision? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. It's always possible that lightning could strike, I guess, and these, these kids, I, I watched the movie Hoosiers. I mean, maybe, maybe they could go really far. Coach is saying, no, we're, we're, we would just get slaughtered. I got 20 kids, including eight of whom have, are really the only ones that have played any extensive amount of football. Why get clobbered? Is the coach right? We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Let's get started with the text. I follow high school football, Jeff. Every year there are upsets in the early rounds. They should give it a shot. The other team could underestimate them. That's from Dan. The coach at South Division says, I I got 20 kids, um, eight of whom really have played more than like a year or so. Um, If if I go into these playoffs against one of these huge teams from the suburbs, we're going to lose 50, 60, 70 to nothing. Why do that? Chris in Milwaukee. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Chris. Um, I, I'm on the side of the coach. I applaud that coach for being honest and saying, look, we're just going to get killed. Why put my kids out there? And you can do have a, an additional game where they can get more experience against, you know, similar talent or lack of talent, depending on how you want to look at it. Right, right. Um, my, I, 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 I'm in the South District, Waukesha South. Sorry, Waukesha South. Right. And if anybody knows anything about the Classic 8 Conference, Waukesha South is the butt of that conference for the past 15 to 20 years. Right. I went to Nicolet, so I have no I have no, I have no <laughs> claim to fame. They haven't been in the playoffs for 30 years, yeah. And I think a couple times South has played Nicolet, and I think Nicolet even beat us. Uh, <laughs> my, point is, my point is that, you know, even if we, we, can't, we can't not play conference games. We just had Muskego, which is, I think, ranked first in the state. And they were, I think they were nice to us, to be honest with you. And they beat right. us 49 to nothing. Right. So I don't, I don't fault coaches for either right. forfeiting a game or whatever, knowing that, that their, their kids are just going to get outmatched. Well, right. Or, or maybe, I mean, all. right. No, thanks to or, or maybe hurt. I mean, that's one of the things, the other things he says too is, I mean, I, I'm, I'm putting my 20 kids out there against, you know, one of these football factory powerhouses. And that, that's, that's not diminishing them. And I, I don't want, I don't want anybody to get hurt. Barry in Greenfield. Barry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And I agree with the last caller and with the coach. I think the coach is making the right decision. A lot of the suburban schools, uh, it, it, the kids start peewee football at age you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old, have played organized football for many years. By the time they hit high school, they have four, five, six years of football experience and knowledge behind them. And you're, you have a pool of a hundred possible players on the team. Yep. Why? It, it it also it takes the fun out of it. Okay. Well, let me give you the flip side. Let me read you an email. I, I text here. Okay. This is what somebody okay. says. Jeff, the kids have worked their tails off to get to this point. Even in getting blown out, they get playoff experiences, which is much different and can't be replicated in the regular season. That could pay dividends in the future. Um, excite more kids to try out for the team next year, etc. Wrong call, coach. And again, everyone has an opinion. That that's what makes this country great. We're about opinions. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. I agree with the coach, and you can look at it many different ways. Right. And and from the students, all the students, the coach is going to say, "Hey, look, you guys did amazing. Look at what we accomplished. This is right. fantastic. Some of you won't even be here next year. I hope a lot of you are here next year. That could be a great recruiting tool for yeah. the team to continue. It could be a, a start." Right. And why humiliate the kids? The last thing you want is a high school kid going in there and losing 40, 50, 60, 70 to nothing. Right. Now, thanks for calling. You know, I, it, it's interesting. I, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a quick break for the news. When we come back, before we move on, I'll give you my take on this as well. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> A 
number of really thoughtful texts about this. If you're just tuning in, South Division, my, my late wife, she went to South Division High School, as a matter of fact. South Division, that their, their actual attendance, their actual student body is about 800 kids. Um, they're, they're listed 1,300, but actually it's like 800. So for seeding purposes, for the WIAA football playoffs, they would be matched against a big suburban school in the first round for, for football. Um, and the, the coach of the team says, look, we're, we're, we're not going to play. Here, here's the deal. They were five and one in the city conference, but they were five and four overall. He said, our team is 20 kids. And of those 20 kids, there's really only eight that have played, you know, any appreciable amount of football. We got a couple kids that came in as seniors who'd never played. We got a couple freshmen. But the, the truth of the matter is, you know, we're, we're a really, really small fish. They said, and if we go on to the football playoffs, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get matched up against some big suburban school, and they're going to slaughter us. They're, they're going to slaughter us. I'm worried that the kids are going to get hurt. Um, I, I, we could easily lose 50, 60, 70 to nothing. You know, the, we just, we just do, we are not competitive at this point. That is the reality. So instead of going into the football playoffs where you know you're going to get slaughtered, we've added this 10th game. We're going to play, gosh, who are they going to play? They're going to play another team that was 0-9 for the year. And, you know, we, we can have a competitive game. So the kids are going to get a 10th game, but it may, might be one that they have got a chance to win. And this has created a, a huge, huge controversy. Let me share a couple of the most recent texts. Jeff, should the 16th seeded team in the NCAA basketball tournament not show up against the number one seeded team because they're going to get crushed? Now, to, to that, my answer would be no, because, first of all, you're talking college kids. You're talking about people who are on scholarship. You're talking about competitive stuff. And even the 16th team has had to qualify to, to get in there in a meaningful sort of fashion. Um, no. No, I, in, in that particular situation, I would say no. Um, Jeff, I went to Nicolay as well. Just because you're not going to win doesn't mean you don't show up. How embarrassing 10 years down the road to say that you were part of a playoff team that forfeited because you knew that you would not win. Um, all right, uh, that's it. Jeff, look no farther than last Saturday's basketball, about Badger game. They were 30-plus point favorites. Don't I know I bet money on the Badgers to not only not only win, but to cover the spread. Anyway, they were 30-plus point favorites, and look what happened. You never know the outcome unless you try. Miracles do, in fact, happen. So, um, you know, a, a number of people are saying they should go ahead and they should try. So where do I come down on this? I, I don't I understand the sentiment of people saying, well, you never know what's going to happen at the same time. You know, would would you send, I don't know, a, a boxer that weighs 119 pounds in to fight, you know, the, the heavyweight champion of the world, you know, given up. You know, and I understand you always have these David and Goliath stories. And like I said earlier, I, I saw the movie Hoosiers. So I understand that this kind of stuff can happen in this particular case. When the coach knows that he's overmatched, the kid know the coach knows his team. Um, I think the coach is legitimately afraid that some of these kids might get hurt and doesn't necessarily see the the value in trotting out the team to get absolutely crushed, thinks it would be a better experience for everybody to let, let's play a team that we might be competitive about. It's hard for me to fault the, the, the coach. Now, matter of fact, we, we often talk about the flip side of this, these stories where you have the one team that – 
wins by 50, 60, 70, 100 points, you know, whether it's football or basketball. And then people are always, you know, objecting because they say, oh, it's unsportsmanlike to run up the scores. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, I think that, you know, if you're going to play competitively, the object is is to win. And I don't have a problem within reason for coaches, you know, to do what they have to win. My beef with that has always been you've got some conferences and some setups where it's just not competitive, where you have a school that's, you know, the basketball powerhouse that plays the school that's just starting out. I don't fault the basketball powerhouse for, for scoring points. It's more in the matchup. In this case, the South Division coach is just saying, look, we, we know we're going to get slaughtered. I don't see any educational value of it. I'm afraid the kids are going to get hurt. We're not in a position to be competitive at this point. And I don't see anything wrong with saying, okay, we're 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 not going to try to punch over our weight class. Now, it might be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, he feels that the program is at a point where you can be more competitive and it's willing to take a shot. Maybe that'll happen next year. But just trotting the kids out to be in all likelihood, Illinois beating Wisconsin last Saturday notwithstanding, just trotting the kids out to be cannon fodder in a game that nobody's going to get anything out of, it's hard for me to fault the coach. I think the coach probably knows his team and how it stacks up better than anyone else. All right, when we come back, give you some quick analysis of the latest Marquette University Law School poll. Stick around. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Marquette University Law School, my alma mater, out with its new poll. You know, they come out with polls every couple months. And generally speaking, I think it's fair to say that the Marquette University Law School poll is sort of viewed as the gold standard of polling around here. I always throw this this caution in. Um, they, they've had some spectacular failures um you know but a lot of pollsters have uh you, you had if if you believe the marquette university law school polls russ feingold would have beaten ron johnson a number of years ago he would have beaten him when ron johnson ran for re-election hillary clinton would have carried wisconsin so th- there's been high profile failures at the same time more often than not the the, the numbers are are accurate or, uh, again, close enough to be accurate to get credit. So, I mean, I, I do think you can't just ignore this and, and roll these things off and say, oh, they, they, you can't trust polls, because that they do, I think, more often than not, reflect, I think, accuracy of where the public is at a particular moment. So they're out with new numbers today. This poll, I, I think they completed the poll about a week ago. So the, the numbers we're going to talk about don't include the, the latest developments this week. They don't include what anybody might think about what some of the hearings are that are being, their testimony that's going on in the Ukraine thing that's being leaked to the press, stuff like that. So it, it's 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 kind of like shut off at the end of last week. Um, on, on the big question of involving President Trump, and again, we've talked about Wisconsin. I don't see a way that President Trump gets reelected without carrying Wisconsin. Again, it's just, it's the electoral map without Wisconsin's 10 electoral votes. Is, is there a way that he can get elected, reelected? Yeah, that there is. But that means you're going to have to pick up states that you didn't carry before. And I think that's a tougher task. Wisconsin is incredibly important. And that's why you're going to see the Trump campaign and you're going to see Democrats spending a lot of time here. So on the, the fundamental question of job approval, 
which is that the standard that you have now, uh, the new numbers are out, and they are essentially unchanged from where they have been for you know, months and months now. 46% of Wisconsinites, according to the poll, approve of the president's job performance, 51% disapprove. Slightly outside the margin of error, but just slightly. For any incumbent, you don't want to have, you know, a 50, you don't want to be underwater. In other words, your, your disapproval rating higher than your approval rating. But at the same time, that's pretty much where President Trump has been for the longest time. It's not great reelect numbers, but it, it's not getting worse. Interestingly, they ask the question about impeachment. And again, this is before any developments of the last few days, but it's kind of fascinating to me. Um, 46% of the people responding, 46, say there's enough evidence to hold impeachment hearings. 49% say no. So the, the majority, at least the plurality of people in the poll say no, not enough evidence to hold impeachment hearings. And then when you ask the more significant question, should you impeach and remove the president? 44% say yes, 51% say no. Now, what do I take from this? And it, it, it kind of buttresses some point that I have been making for the, the longest time, and it's the danger that the Democrats have in proceeding with impeachment hearings, and that is the danger of a backlash. There was a backlash against Republicans who I think proceeded with the impeachment process back when Bill Clinton was the president. That hurt Newt Gingrich. It hurt the Republicans. At the end of the day, it helped Bill Clinton. I think Democrats in this state made a huge mistake, and I think a lot of Democrats would tell you they made a huge mistake when they went ahead with the effort to recall Governor Walker in 2012 because there were a lot of people who maybe they didn't like Act 10 or they weren't sure how Act 10 was going to play out or maybe they thought it was an overreach on the part of Governor Walker. But, you know, you don't overturn elections because of those things. And I think, candidly, the fact that you had that failed recall strengthened Governor Walker and made it a lot easier for him to win in 2014. So there's always the issue of of the backlash. So I, I think, I mean, this... This really demonstrates the danger. I mean, look, I get it. The people who are solid Democrats, they hate Donald Trump. They, they want to see Donald Trump removed from office, and that's what's reflected here. But th- there's not enough of them to, you know, make that 50 point plus, 50% plus one vote. And I think the concern is, and this is a national issue, especially in districts where you have congressmen or you have senators that are in swing states or congressmen that are in swing districts, you, you, by going ahead with this impeachment process, you run the risk of turning off, not the people who hate Trump. I mean, I, I get it. They're not going to change. But those people who don't think that this is the appropriate way to go and don't think that this is what you remove presidents for. That's what you have elections for. Interestingly, here's another number that I think should be a cautionary tale to Democrats. And they're they're asking this impeachment question. Like I say, overall, 46 percent uh, say not enough evidence to hold impeachment hearings. Forty nine percent says there's not. Forty six percent, that is, say there are. They ask this of independence. They say, are you a Republican or Democrat? Or are you an independent? When they ask the impeachment question to independence, 
what happens is 35% say yes to impeachment hearings, 53% say no to impeachment hearings. And and that's that's a pretty good swing. So what that's telling you is that the, the independents, maybe the persuadable voters, they're not on board with these impeachment proceedings. And I understand, again, if, if you hate President Trump, the hardcore Democrats, yeah, let's let's remove him. But those hardcore Democrats, that's not going to be enough to, you know, win to win an election. So what you need is you need I mean to build some form of of a consensus. And right now you, you don't have that. So I, I guess depending on, you know, what your perspective is, you could look at these numbers and you could get you could get mixed signals. You know, you could say, okay, well president's still underwater on approval ratings, you know, that's bad for him. At the same time, when you look at the impeachment question, the plurality doesn't want to see him impeached. And if you look at the independents who are ultimately going to probably decide this election, an overwhelming margin say they don't want to see impeachment proceedings. And again, this is a snapshot in time. Things could change over the last couple of weeks. All right. Then let's turn to the other question. They apparently did some head-to-head polling asking how Donald Trump compares to other potential Democrat candidates, to potential Democrat candidates. I'll give you those numbers in just a minute. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. Coming up in the 1 o'clock hour of the program, an eclectic hour, flu shots, Halloween costumes, and getting out of Syria. Yeah, we're going to talk about all those things. All right, here's some more numbers from the just-released Marquette University Law School poll. These are the head-to-head horse race numbers. In the Democrat primary, the primary election is going to be in early April. That's the presidential primary. A lot can change between now and then. Who knows who's even going to be on the ballot or actually competing by the time April rolls around. Um, They asked, who is your first choice among the Democrat candidates? Joe Biden, despite the fact that he's been viewed as kind of lackluster in some of the debates and things like that, Biden is the first choice of 31 percent. Elizabeth Warren, the first choice of 24 percent. Bernie Sanders, the first choice of 17 percent. And nobody else is really on on the radar screen. Mayor Pete is like at seven and Kamala Harris is at five and everybody else is below that. But Biden, a significant lead. I mean, seven points, uh, 31 percent to 24 percent. Bernie, you know, running third. Now, the interesting dynamic, of course, is if you view Biden as the moderate and Sanders and Warren as being what they are, kind of the way out on the left flank, that Sanders and Warren together at 41 percent, you know, so they're, they're obviously splitting the far left vote. But Biden right now leads with all the candidates on the ballot. So the other question, of course, is how do these various people stack up against Donald Trump? Now, keep in mind, I told you the numbers that are out, his approval rating is underwater, 46% to 51%, pretty much unchanged, slightly outside the margin of error, not necessarily encouraging for an incumbent, but I guess it could be worse. Here's the the head-to-head numbers. If the election were held today, and if you believe the Marquette University Law School poll, Joe Biden... 50% 50% say they'd vote for Biden, 44% say they would vote for Trump. Bernie Sanders, 
48% say they'd vote for Sanders. 46% say they'd vote for Trump. That is within the margin of error. Elizabeth Warren, 47% say they'd vote for Warren. 46% say they'd vote for Trump. That is the margin within the margin of error. That's a pick em. So my, my take on all this is... It is a complete and total horse race right now in, in Wisconsin. I mean, there this race is still very, very much up to, for grabs, and it's going to depend on those those I don't know voters right now because, I mean, there, there, there's not a clear leader. Biden right now, if you believe the polls, is the only one with a lead over President Trump that, that's kind of beyond the margin of error of the polls. But Sanders, Warren, Trump, it, it's a pick em. Is just to pick them. You have a number of independents who aren't sold on the idea of impeachment. Bottom line of all this is Wisconsin is very, very much up in play for play. And anybody who thinks that there's no way that Trump can win, you're wrong. Anybody who thinks that there's no way that Trump can lose, you are wrong. That's my quick takeaway. Okay, when we come back, Halloween costumes, flu shots, and Syria. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Melissa Barclay, they are, they are the three great lies. Number one, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help you. Number two, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And number three... This is my last concert, period. <laughs> you know? right. so, so Elton John. El- El- Elton John, who's doing the this is it, we're done, this yeah, is the last yeah. time, I love you, Milwaukee, I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. And, oh, wait. Oh, I can sell some more tickets, so I'm back. going to be coming back in in April. So how are we going to build this? It, the, the last one was, this is my last concert, it's going to be, this is my last concert, I really mean it this time? Is, is that <laughs> what it's going to be? You know, I always go back to Cher. Cher's had like five farewell tours. Well, <laughs> Exactly. It's one of those. And again, on uh, see, it's. I'm actually kind of glad for this because I think I've seen him a couple times. He puts on a good show, and we actually had gotten friends of ours had had tickets to see the show on Saturday night. We were in Las Vegas watching Jimmy Buffett, so we couldn't go. So my 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 hope is maybe my friends, you know, who have access they have access to a box at, at Fiserv. So maybe if, if they have it back again, maybe we'll go get to see the show because well, I'd love to say, go to do it. Yeah. You know, if you don't want those tickets, the box seats, <laughs> I, I am up for You know, it's funny because, you know, I didn't catch him this time around and I thought, well, you know, tickets are expensive. But I had a girlfriend and her sister went and they said it was so good. And I saw a video on, online and I thought, huh, that might be a show. I mean, if it was that good, I I okay. might want to see it next okay, time. So, but, okay, so here is the operative question, though. And, and I mean, I, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. But the one would be, let's say that you bought tickets to the show on Saturday night. It was right. Like, you, you bought tickets. Under the premise. On the premise yeah. that this is, this is your last chance ever to see Elton John in concert in North America and Milwaukee. Where this, this is going to be it. And so you thought, well, maybe I don't want to drop the dough or whatever. But, you know, I, I've never seen Elton John before. I saw him 25 years ago. I want to see it one more time. So on, on the one hand, and it, by all stretch of the imagination, it was apparently this great show. Sure. Like I said, I didn't see it. But do you feel... 
that you were kind of lied oh. to and ripped off, or, and you know, not ripped off because he performed the show, but that you you were kind of sold a bill of goods. You like maybe if you wanted to tell a story later in the future, saying I saw the last Elton John show in Milwaukee, and then now it's like. Oh, I saw the second to last oh, show right. of Elton John in Milwaukee. Or, or the, <laughs> right? I guess, you know, and I guess I, I don't think that would bother me. I guess, be, but because you 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 know that there's never really a last right. show. I mean, the the Eagles have been doing like farewell tours. They, I, I seriously, I, I almost went to Las Vegas in September because the Eagles were doing what they billed as a two night stand in Las Vegas, and they said, this is going to be it. We're, we're, we're done. We're right. going to stop touring. This is it. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I'd like to see the Eagles one more time. And, and the circumstances just didn't work out. And now I see they're adding all these different shows and stuff. It's just, you know, the performers can make money. They're really not ready to stop doing this. So I guess when I hear the farewell right. tour and stuff like that, I kind of, if you like your doctor, you You're can like, keep well, your doctor. Yeah. Yeah, that that kind of yeah. stuff. So anyways, if you didn't get to see Gru, would you be upset with that? I uh, I think a little bit, because this happens to me quite a bit, actually. I'll buy tickets to see some sort of performer, and the show sells out, right? right. And they have a day, uh, a date available the day before of the, the show that you purchased, and so they make a second show the day before of the tickets that I purchased. I buy tickets on a Saturday, Saturday show sells out, so you know what, I'm going to make a second show on Friday. So then the people that buy tickets to the Friday show get to see who I wanted to see so badly before I do. Or even get better seats. And get or get better seats. Yeah. And that drives If you were a fan, you'd buy tickets to the Friday show too. But the Friday show what I'm saying is the Friday show was never available in the first no, place. No, well, well once they announced that second show you buy it. You uh, go to both shows. No, no, I get it. made of money, but man, that that, that is <laughs> that is the pet peeve of, of concerts for me. I get it. But, it's it's sort of like I, but I mean I guess I, I just whenever I hear these farewell shows you kinda just say, Yeah, you know, because grain of salt. I mean, right. Right. So take that with a grain of salt and i guess to me it's if you like the performer and it's still a good show it, it works out so you're with that melissa okay, i am too yeah yeah go see that all right elton john coming back one more chance and and you know the truth is i see i was you guys weren't around of course when you had the debacle the harley davidson's hundredth anniversary where um I, I wasn't sure Elton John was ever going to play Milwaukee after that because if you weren't here at the time you know the harley davidson it was a classic it was a classic mistake of building up expectations. You know, they, they wouldn't announce who the star performer was. They had like three days of entertainment stuff, and they had a lot of great acts that came in and, and played. It was down at the lakefront. But but they wouldn't say, you know, who who was going to come and perform as the headliner for like the, the last night show. And so there was all this speculation. All oh, the Rolling Stones are going to fly in, or Springsteen's going to fly in, or all that stuff, all, all these different other bands. And it turned out to be Elton John. Well, Elton John puts on a good show, but you've got all these like bikers and stuff, and, and Elton John wasn't necessarily the person they thought they were going to see. If you had said, hey, Elton John is coming, he's going to be performing the, at the Highlight 100th, I think people would have been genuinely excited about it. But they were just, the, the crowd kind of turned ugly because they, they were disappointed. You know, Harley had built up expectations. And from what I understand, you know, um, Elton John and his folks just didn't enjoy that experience. But obviously, he likes being back at the Fiserv. So if you want to go see him, you're going to have at least one more chance in April. Tickets go on sale soon. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I I get a flu shot every year. 
I, I just I started doing it a number of years ago. I get the flu shot every year. I have I don't know if there's any sort of causality, but I have not gotten the flu since I started getting the flu shot. I listen to my doctor. He says, you should get the flu shot. I get the flu shot. I've never had any sort of complications, and I haven't gotten the flu. Um, I, I don't have a compromised immune system or anything like that. So were I to get the flu, I, I would feel like you know what for, you know, the bottom of a birdcage for, you know, a couple days. But it, it probably wouldn't be life-threatening. But nevertheless, you don't want to have the flu. Nobody wants to have the flu. And my doctor says, get the flu shot. So I get the flu shot. The flu season starts in a couple weeks. Matter of fact, they, they recommend, and it takes a little while for the flu shot to be effective. I mean, like about two weeks, you know, before after you, you know, it takes, so you get the flu shot and, you know, you're still vulnerable to getting the flu for about two weeks. And, and it is also true that there are all sorts of different strains of the flu because just because you get the flu shot doesn't mean that you're going to be immune from all strains of the flu. But I think the medical people will say, you know, you get the flu shot, it reduces your your odds. So here is the number. They recommend that people get their flu shot about now or earlier. They recommend that people have their flu shots by the time the Thanksgiving holidays roll around because that's when you're getting all sorts of people socializing. Um, in Australia, which is ahead of us for this, Journal Sentinel says, um, you know, it's been a particularly particularly nasty start to the flu season down there so you know if if that transposes itself and comes to this country and comes to wisconsin you know we can anticipate a worse than normal flu season okay here here is the number what they hope for is again because they're looking for what they call herd immunity they hope the goal is to vaccinate about 70 percent of the population 70 percent Last year in Wisconsin, 40% got flu shots. So uh, almost half as many people as they, they really were trying to get. This year, according to a story in the Journal Sentinel today, with flu season a little more than a month away, now keep in mind the goal is 70%. Last year it was 40% that they hit. This year, as it stands right now, they estimate that only 12 a little over one in 10 Wisconsin residents have received their flu vaccination. And this is starting to send up all sorts of concern, you know, red flags for health professionals who are saying, you know, it, it seems like, you know, we're, we're behind, we're behind where we want to be. We're behind where we need to be, and we're behind where we were, even given, like last year's, not good numbers. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, like I say, I, I admit, I go in, I get the flu shot, part of my you know annual examinations with my doctor every year. You, you can do it. You can do it at drugstores all around the area. It's not hard to get a flu shot, but yet people don't. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Are you going to get or have you gotten a flu shot this year? Why or why not? And I am genuinely curious. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Why would you not get the flu shot? Why I get that because the doctors tell me, but I understand I'm I may very well be in the minority here, and I'm not sure I get why. 
414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. We're talking flu shots. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So I'm at my doctor's, just a routine sort of checkup a couple weeks ago, and he says, have you had the flu shot yet? I said, no. He said, should I give you one? I said, should I get it? And he said, of course you should. So they, they gave me the flu shot. No big deal. Also gave me the shingle shot, and as I was saying, that one hurt like heck. But the flu shot, nothing to it. And yet, a month before the unofficial start of the flu season, only 12% of Wisconsinites have gotten them. Their goal is 70%. Last year, only 40% of people got them. We're talking about why or why not you don't get them. Because in all honesty, I, I I get the flu shot every year. And it, to me, does it guarantee I'm not going to get the flu? No. But does it make it less likely? Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why you wouldn't do this. Kathleen in Fond du Lac. Kathleen, you're first. Hello. Well, good. I'm glad I'm first. Thanks for having me on. Hi, I'll Kathleen. try to make this as quick as possible. I'm a registered nurse. About 20 years ago, I was administering flu shots. I did not get one because I didn't believe in them. I was healthy, played tennis every day. Well, I got the flu. I got the flu. I was horribly sick. The flu damaged my heart, caused cardiomyopathy to the extent that my heart was permanently damaged. I ended up having a heart transplant 19 years ago. So I encourage everybody I meet to get a flu shot. Wow. Wow. Yeah. True story. I kid you not. Well, so you're, I mean, right. So, I mean, I always, right. I mean, I always say, okay, so you get the flu, you're going to be sick for a couple days and then you get better. But in your case, it really caused permanent damage just getting the flu. It did. It It is not typical. It's a rare occurrence. However, there's always the possibility that something unusual like this can happen. Got Please it. get a flu shot. Kathleen, thanks for thanks for calling. Thanks so very much for listening to the show. Marcy Thank in Bayside. You. Hi, Marcy. You're on WTMJ. Hold on. Hi, Marcy. Hi. Hi there. Okay. Tell me, flu. are you a flu shot gal or no? I am absolutely a flu shot gal. Okay. Tell me why. Um, same reason. I had the flu probably about seven, eight years ago and was miserable for about 10 days. And I said, that's it. And I get the flu shot every every year around this time. Yeah. Encourage my husband to also get one. And even though he doesn't really believe in it because he said, eh, whatever. <laughs> but let him get the flu once and we'll see how right. he's... Right. Uh, then you tell him, I'm not waiting on you when you get the flu. <laughs> that's, exactly. That's the, exactly. Well, and also we travel. Yeah. And, you know, being on airplanes is, you know, definitely not the place you want to be when you have oh, oh, well, well, also, or it's not, to, it's it's to me that the bigger worry, I don't know about you, but every time, almost every time on a plane, actually, it didn't happen this last trip, I, I'm always, it seems to me, sitting in front of somebody who's got runny nose and they're coughing and, you know, it sounds like they're going to yak up a lung or something like that. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm trapped in this metal container with all these different germs around. I, I want as much protection as I possibly can from those other people that are on the plane. Yeah, just touching the uh, the trays is, is going to get you the flu. Yeah, no, thanks. I guess I, I think I guess see that's that's the thing. I just I don't see the downside to this. Now I understand there's some people that don't trust doctors and things like that, and there's some people that think they're too busy or whatever. But 
it's they, they make it incredibly easy. You know, like I say, I, I do it at regularly scheduled doctor's appointments. But otherwise, you, you can walk into the CVS store. You can walk into the Walgreens. You can walk in anywhere, and they're, they're going to give you a flu shot right away. Bill and Amro. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Uh, hi. hi thanks. Sure. Um, I actually was tested for six years from the blood center because I used to give blood all the time. And they also they get a letter saying we would like to test your blood because we don't think you can get viruses. And I hadn't been sick for 15 years or so. And um, so I, I let them do tests. They'd send me nasal swabs. I'd send them back. They'd check it out. Have you been in contact with people? That, that type of thing. And so I figured I'm, you know, I, I, I almost never get sick. Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden one, uh, this is about uh, August 4th, I started, I came down with laryngitis. And after that, I got uh, walking pneumonia. Then right after, the day after that, I got this flu. And it was really bad. It was like a five-day flu, and my yeah. son had had it. And so I recommend anyone getting it, <laughs> whether they whether they care to or not. And after that, I got an ear infection. So yeah. like my whole body was, come on. You, you were a mess. Me. You were a mess oh, for a seven, while. <laughs> seven weeks, you know. I was just really a mess. Right. Well, but, I guess, uh, I mean, to yeah. me, I mean, thanks for calling me. Again, it's... I, I, now, look, I understand that there's some people who, because of compromised immune systems or whatever, that, that you know, your doctor is going to say you shouldn't get it. I, and I'm not – obviously, for those people, that is the exception. But for most of us, that's not the case. Uh, a couple texts. Jeff, I get the flu shot every year because my work dictates that I do so by September 1st. person must work in the healthcare industry. Even though the flu shot doesn't cover all strains of the flu, it will reduce the severity and the length of your flu systems if you get one of the strains that is not covered by the the flu shot. Um, Jeff, I work in the healthcare field. The company I work for does not require us to get flu shots, but I get one um, every year. The most impressive statistic to me is that two years ago, when we had so many people hospitalized because of the flu, 80% of those hospitalized had not had the flu shot. If you have the shot and get the flu, you tend to get much less of a case and not really as sick. You know, go flu vaccine. You know, that's what uh, that's what Betsy, you know, has to say. So I guess it's, you know, the the, the the bottom line is, I think it's something that makes sense. Jeff, this is Karen. I'm a pharmacist at a Walgreens in Racine. We have been completely inundated by people wanting flu shots. Um, you know, I, Racine and Kenosha really do tend to uh, go for the flu shot numbers. So maybe the rest of the state is just needs to catch up. Um, but you know, we, we've given a ton in my store. Well, I think that's, you know, that's, that's, Good. Um, now, somebody else says, Jeff, I never get the flu shot. I get extremely sick every time I get it. Who knows what they're actually putting into the vaccine? Well, okay. I mean, I don't know. I trust the medical professionals, and I trust the doctor, and my doctor says, get the flu shot. And I, we went through the same thing with the shingles vaccine. He said, have you ever had shingles? I said, no. He said, you don't want to get it. Here, you know, get get the shot. And I, I admit that one, you know, an hour later, I was an hour later. That hurt. You got to get a second one, I guess, in two to six months. But I, I don't want to get the shingles, and I certainly don't want to get the flu. I bring this up not to preach, other than to just inform that at least right now in this state, we are way, way, way behind where the experts say we should be with regard to the number of people who are immunized. 
The flu season starts in a couple weeks. And obviously, if you're one of these people who, you know, I, I never get flu shots, I don't believe in them, etc. All right, you're not going to change your mind. But if you're somebody who, yeah, I just haven't thought of doing it yet this year, or I intended to do it a little bit later, I mean, just, just, just don't delay. Don't delay because, again, assuming you're not one of these people that just really completely either can't get the flu shot or just doesn't trust the doctors or anything like that, if you're somebody that's at least open to the possibility of getting this, don't delay and get it. Melissa Barkley, you know my other tip? You know the other tip that I'm supposed to give to people? As I a have public no idea. Sir, okay, so it? number one is get your flu shot. Okay. Right? See? Number two, okay, so this morning, Mike, my furnace guy, came out to just check I, every year. I, as part of routine maintenance before the winter season starts, I, I my furnace is fine, but I have a guy come out and That's clean it, idea. you know, and mm-hmm. just take care of this because mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with something on Christmas Eve with the thing, you know, on on its last leg. So I mean, it's just it's peace of mind comes out. So I've got got my friend Mike who comes out. He he says he says, um, when did you last change your batteries in your in the thermostat? You know, the thing that's on the wall sure. in the living room. I said, gee, I'm not sure. I'm, I've been I've lived here for like two years. I'm not sure I've ever changed the batteries. He said, do you have two AA batteries? I said, yeah. I said, let's do this now. He's telling me that he would say during the winter, in the middle of the night, he was as he estimates that thirty plus percent of the calls he gets from people whose furnaces have died. There's no problem with the furnace. It's just that the batteries that run the thermostat have died. Because a lot of people have the digital thermostat. Well, right, right. Or, that's what I have. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a battery powered. That's something type you wouldn't of, think about. It, right, I a, wouldn't think about. Right, that. it's a battery powered. You know, it, it runs on these batteries. I thought you were going to say like, um, the CO detector, but no, no you're talking no, about no, the no, actual, the, like the, the actual batteries. Yeah. And he says, you know, and so I, you know, we'll say, we'll, we'll say, well, have you checked the batteries? Well, I want you to come out and look at it because it's cold, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he says, you know, then you know, so we get out in the middle of the night, we drive out there, and it's you know, charges you charge. You know, however many hundred dollars you charge right. to come out, and if it's on the weekend, the it's time and a half right. so, for, yeah. for a couple batteries. So he was saying, just, you know, he's a listener, and he said, "Would you just just do me a favor? Would you make a public service Aww. announcement to the audience and just tell them, you know, just to check or replace the batteries in their the, the thermostat that's on on the wall?" And I said, oh, "This is I'm, we'll get to the news in a second. I, so I said, "Is is there a like a low battery warning on most of these things?" And he said, "Well, most of them have it, but here's what people don't know." He said, "A lot of times, the battery, the the, the battery will stop working the furnace properly before the low warning light comes on." Hmm. He'll, he'll say, "Because what happens is it takes certain amount of power." to, you know, click on this switch or that switch in the furnace. And he said sometimes the, the battery's got enough power to, like, power the thermostat, but not enough power to do that switch thing. He oh, said, wow. He said bottom line is change your batteries. Just, just <laughs> like, like, like just... change the batteries in the smoke detectors. Change Don't the battery. Don't deal with the hassle. Right, change the battery in the thermostat. It could, and it's not like it's rocket science. I mean, you just, at least in my thermostat, yeah, you don't even need a screwdriver. You just flip one thing open, flip one thing down, put the new batteries in, and then you're good to go. So that's my good advice. Get your flu shot. (laughs) (laughs) These are simple things. Get your flu shot and check out the batteries in your thermostat. I'm not trying to mess Mike out of from from getting like like business calls at two o'clock in the morning and stuff. But you don't want to spend a couple hundred dollars to have somebody come out to replace two double A batteries. Now, one thirty two. Let's go to the W. Oh, no, I got to take a break, don't I? I have to take a break before the news. Okay, we'll be back with Melissa in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
So very glad to have you with us. Okay, Halloween is coming up, and it is a for adults and for kids and for parents of kids. Halloween has morphed into this event where it's just a minefield of political correctness because you never know what's going to offend people. You go out dressed as a witch, and the witches get mad at you. You go out dressed in this costume or as a military person, and then they say, okay, you're, you're a warmonger, all those different things. And, and I admit the standards keep shifting. And just look at all the trouble that you've had politicians who've gotten into for, for example, you know, going out in blackface or things like that. It's just, it, it's a minefield. And the rules always kind of change. Something that might have been okay 10 or 15 years ago suddenly becomes inappropriate now. So you just never know exactly. I've got an idea. I'm not going to any Halloween parties this year, Gru, but I've got an idea for my next Halloween costume. I, I'm going to uh, – I, I saw it when we were in Las Vegas. I saw this uh, this this. They're a, they're a tribute band to like 80s hair, you know, the hair bands and stuff. I, I'm actually going to get a hair. I'm going to like a spandex. The band I saw is called Spandex Nation. I, I'm going to I'm going to go as like a bass guitar player. I'm going to go with like Shredder. I'm going to get one of those like long wigs, you know, and the headband and the, the, the spandex outfit. I, I don't have a party this year, but that's going to be my next costume. I've decided. It's a good look. Yeah, well, it, it is. You know, maybe I'll wear it to work someday. You, you want to see pictures once I get all that, huh? No, I'm sure many people would want to see pictures of that. <laughs> Fair, fair, fair enough. Yeah, it's forget Jeff Wagner. It's going to be Shredder. That, that's it. That, that's what I'm going to be. You know, get get the guitar and stuff. I have decided that is the next costume, but haven't been invited to a costume party um, this year. All right. So, but it's a, and somebody's going to come up, and I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. Okay, is there somebody who's going to be offended by that? You know, probably not. I think I'm safe with that. But you, you, you never know. All right. Here is the costume that is generating all sorts of controversy. And I just sent out a photo of this. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Got a link to the story. All right, Kmart, of all places, in Australia, of all places, is, you know, they have costumes online that people can order. All right, what's happened is, so they're, they're marketing a particular type of costume, which, by the way, I, I, I can see when you when you go like Amazon and stuff, you see a variety of these Halloween costumes. This is a costume that is directed at young girls, right? The costume is directed at children, girls between the ages of four and six, right? What what could this be that is causing all the offense? It's a bride costume. The costume, fancy dress costume, includes a white wedding gown, a headband, and a veil. So it's, you know, so you've got a kid between the age of four and six. And again, she would dress up on Halloween as a bride. Now, I admit, I, I, I saw this, and when I just saw the costume, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, it, it's, it's a costume. It's, it's like a little wedding dress. Apparently what happens is some woman sees this and goes completely and totally bat crap crazy, says this outfit is beyond inappropriate and demands that they take this down. 
because it is offensive. Now, you might say, okay, what, what's the, the argument? Somebody else then weighs in and said, you're right. This, this is absolutely disgusting. You know, it's, don't you realize that, you know, in, across this country, across the world, each year, well, here's the argument, each year, 12 million children, girls as young as six years old, are sold or married off by their families without their consent. That's one million child marriages per month. This equates to 23 children every minute or one child every two minutes. If this continues, 150 million more children will be married by the year of, by 2030. Child marriage means child abuse and torture in its worst forms. Pedophilia, child rape, child slavery, child sex trafficking. Tell Kmart, this is the petition, it is beyond inappropriate and offensive and that they have a social responsibility to pull this item off of their shelves immediately. Okay. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now my guess is there's a lot of you ladies out there who, you know, have have daughters who like to play dress up and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe, you know, they, they've seen your wedding dress if you've got it around the house or something. And they, they you know, they, they'd like to be in it. But let's let us tee this up. Is this a legitimate beef? Is it beyond offensive that you would market or consider dressing a child, a female child, up as as a bride? Is is that beyond offensive? Is it beyond the pale because we are endorsing, I don't know, selling six-year-old children essentially into forced marriages and slavery? Or are these people with just way too much time on their hands? Political correctness run amok or, my gosh, how could anybody think this is appropriate? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. Kmart, for its part, says, well, we were not, we did not intend to cause offense. We sincerely apologize. We have made the decision to withdraw the product. Okay. My question is, should Kmart have backed down? Or is this just an example of the perpetually offended and the politically correct looking for something to be bothered by? Would you dress your kid as a bride? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff, we were in kindergarten. Uh, okay, Jeff, Unreal. I dressed as a bride, and the neighbor kid down the road was the groom. Our teacher thought it was so cute that we had a mock wedding at our costume party at school. We still joke about it to this day. We were in kindergarten at that point, and we are now in our 50s. Well, all right. <laughs> I tell you, you you were pushing the envelope there because don't you know that uh, nowadays, at least if you want to dress as a bride and you're a little girl, some people are going to think it is beyond offensive. 414-799-1620. Uh, all guys on the line so far. Female perspective on this would be welcome as well. Joe in Glendale. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Joe. Um, yeah, much like the text you just read, I had the same thing. A young lady named Abby that I grew up down the street with, um, it was one of those cute little things, and we... We joked about how we were going to end up married, and we did our little mock wedding as a kid. And and I think beyond that, we as a society need to stop being offended on behalf of an, an entirely another populace. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, how, right, I mean, unless unless you were sold into, I mean, I guess I just see, 
I don't, I can't make the connection between, I mean, people get married all the time. And okay, and, and, and Halloween is all about pretend. How do you even make that, that mind leap from, oh, you, you've dressed up in a bridal outfit to you're being sold into slavery, <laughs> essentially. I mean, right. my, my guess is those kids that are, my, that. yeah, my, my guess is these six year olds that are sold into, you know, unwanted child marriages, my guess is they don't have bridal gowns. That would just be my guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. No, thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Richard in Mequon. Hi, Richard. You're on WTMJ. Hi there. What my do you think? School, my middle schooler wanted to be a bride this year, so I picked up a dress for her at Dins down uh, the Goodwill Dins down in Racine. And uh, tonight we're cutting it up and covering it in blood to get it ready for trick or treat. <laughs> oh my God! You're, you, uh, this, this woman who was complaining about the Kmart thing, she's really going to be going nuts about this. You realize? <laughs> oh, I realize that, but I just can't understand why these corporations don't have a backbone anymore. This story is getting to be way too common, and. I'm, I'd be afraid to go to Kmart because if that's how they're going to be, I don't want to shop there. Well, you see, th- that's that is exactly it, and it's you know I always call it legislating to the lowest common denominator. I mean, I believe me, I understand. There's always somebody out there somewhere who is going to be offended by something, but the idea that you would give in to that instead of just recognizing you're dealing with a kook, just you know, you you if if you're going to start trying to appease the kooks, you're you're going that's what you're going to spend your whole day doing now thanks for call it's um it's just it just beyond nothing wrong with being a bride but after all but after all my daughter's going as a deer and my son is going as a hunter so maybe you'll be talking about me after trick-or-treat as well well there there is that type of thing jeff bride costume nothing wrong with it only thing wrong is with all the politically correct people out there that are beyond sensitive to everything you could find fault with any costume ridiculous that's from sherry who is the mom of a daughter i mean this to me it's it's kind of it's kind of cute harmless i mean i i think you know can you find costumes that would be inappropriate for you know a four or five or six year old girl absolutely and i'm sure there's a lot of them out there and my guess is some of them are being marketed but i mean really this strikes me as being a a pretty benign one but i i always when I first started doing the show, we came up with Wagner's Rules of Life. And, and to the point of people being offended by stuff, Wagner's Rule of Life number one is, life is tough, get a helmet. I got this letter, an email from this lady who was offended, never going to listen to the show again. I was an appallingly bad person because Wagner's Rule of Life number one is, life is tough, get a helmet. Because she explained to me that she had a son or a grandson who had some sort of disability and had to go out wearing you know, a helmet in public and that she perceived that we were making fun of her son. I go, what? <laughs> and it's kind of like, huh? Really? That that's what you interpreted that to be. And again, I, I you just you know, you can't please everybody and there's gonna be people that have their own agendas. Unfortunately, occasionally and all too often you have the squeaky wheels that get the grease. My point has always been every once in a while you should just let them squeak and then sooner or later it all kind of works its way out. If you want to see the costume that's calling all the controversy causing all the controversy, again if you follow me, it's um, on Twitter at Jeff Wagner six twenty. We we've got it up there. Back with more in just a moment. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us. All right, President Trump 
holding a news conference today proclaiming success in the conflict between the Kurds and Syria and Turkey. Is this the victory that President Trump claims it to be? All right, let me review the the bidding here. I think everybody's been familiar for the, the longest time. Okay, you've got Syria and then you've got Turkey. Okay, big, big countries. Um, Syria has been a mess for as long as anybody remember. And Syria has been a breeding ground for ISIS and, and, and terrorists who flocked to that area. The Kurdish people are, are really, uh, since World War One, the Kurds have been pretty much stateless. You know, it's a group of people who, who live in various parts of the Middle East. And one of the areas that has been uh, a, a location where Kurds live, the Kurdish people live, is along the Turkey-Syria border, right, in Syria. The Kurds have been America's principal ally in fighting ISIS in Syria. And so you've had the Kurds that have done the lion's share of the fighting, but you've had American troops that have been there in advisory capacities helping them out. They have, they've been fighting side by side for years, and they've essentially defeated ISIS. The Kurds have been um, responsible for taking care of like the, the ISIS prisoner camps and things of the like. All right, Turkey wants to force the Kurds out of this area. The, the reasons, there's a number of reasons, but primarily there are Kurds in Turkey as well. Turkey, the Turkish government, views the Kurds that are in Turkey as being sort of like terrorists, people that want to overthrow the Turkish government. And Turkey believes that the Turkeys that are, the, the Kurds who are in Syria, you know, work with the Kurds that are in Turkey. So they want to push them out of this area that they have been occupying in Syria. The only thing stopping that has been the fact that you've got the U.S. troops, which have been fighting alongside the Kurds, and they're there, and the Turks don't want to move in and start bombing the heck out of the Kurdish people, um, recognizing that you might also kill Americans. So that, that's been the background along this border. We all know the story, what, about a week, week and a half ago, President Trump sort of surprises everybody by unilaterally announcing he's getting rid of the 1,000 U.S. troops that are in this area of Syria along with the Kurds. He's pulling them out. As soon as they start leaving, Turkey starts moving in militarily with the idea that they're going to force these people out, the Kurdish people out. Don't know where they're going to go, but they're going to force them out of this area. And they start bombing them, etc., etc. The U.S. has now pulled out. As the U.S. is pulling out, the Kurds, who've been fighting alongside the U.S. for years, Kurdish people feel like they're abandoned. They're throwing like potatoes and stuff at the U.S. troops as they're leaving. U.S. troops are generally embarrassed because they feel that they are betraying people. And Turkey, which is a member of NATO, what they've done is now that the U.S. is backing off, they've gone to Russia. And the reason we have NATO is to protect that part of the world from Russia, and they've cut this deal with Russia to invite the Russian military in to come in and essentially help move the Kurds out of this area. So, you know, Turkey and Russia are now getting into bed 
together. So with that backdrop, the president comes out today and he says, look, I, I, I'm, I'm declaring success. Here, here's what's happened. Um, we, we've reached a ceasefire. The Turkey, you know, the Turkish government has agreed that, you know, they're, they're not going to bomb the Kurds anymore. The Russians are going to come in and they're going to help police the area. The Kurds have been displaced. But as long as the Kurds don't try to come back, um, it'll all be fine. Turkey promises that they're not going to bomb them now that they've moved them out of where they want them. To, they, they didn't want them to be. So the Kurds have been displaced. Turkey is working with Russia to keep them out. President Trump says no Americans lost their lives. And now, essentially, let's. You know, let the people over there figure this out. You know, America is not going to be the policeman and we'll let the Turks and the Syrians and the Kurds and the Russians. We'll let them all figure out what's going to happen there. But we're not going to spend any more American blood trying to worry about this. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That might be an overly simplistic summary of what has happened but i don't think it's a particularly unfair one so the president is declaring victory is this a win it's true the u.s troops are out of the area and are either going to come home or be relocated somewhere else there is a ceasefire in place the ceasefire is going to be, I guess, enforced by the Turks and by the Russian army that are now working in concert. And the Kurds, our allies, have been displaced. They've been tossed out of where they were. Okay, did, did the president handle this correctly? And is this a, a victory? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, let's go to the text lines first. 414-799-1620. Here's some of the texts. Jeff, success, victory? No. Putin, Assad, Erdogan, Iran, and ISIS are all strengthened by Trump's folly. And our partners, the Kurds, are screwed and they're on the run. What exactly did we win? Exactly. We can no longer be trusted by anyone. What a mess. All right, another text. Jeff, yay for Trump. This is definitely a win for now. Another text, Jeff, Trump is short-sighted on issues in the Middle East. He can't look past the current news cycle while the people in the Middle East are in this for decades moving forward. Um, 414-799-1620. Let's see, Jeff, we turned our backs and are protecting the Saudis. Trump's looking out for the 9-11 attackers and his wallet, and that's it. I think that this is disgusting. Then the contrast, Jeff, what U.S. interest is do we have in this tribal feud? Okay, my, my take on this, look, I, I support the idea of, of trying to extricate the United States from these conflicts to which there is no reasonable end. So, I mean, I think that that is, is a worthy goal. At the same time, you have to go about doing this in a way that is not going to betray commitments that you have made to people who fight on your side. And I guess my, my concern with this is that, again, 
based on the way this has happened and the suddenness that this has happened, you know, I think it is, there's no doubt in my mind that the effect of this is that the American prestige has been diminished. We made, rep, we being the country, made representations to the Kurds, again, kind of the stateless people, that we would be their partners and that, you know, we expected them to carry the laboring war and fighting ISIS, which was definitely in in our interest. You fight it in Syria because you don't want to be fighting it, you know, in the United States as planes are flying into buildings. And you made this commitment. They lived up to their end of the bargain. And then we, we turn our back on them and they end up getting displaced. And there's no other way that you can interpret this other other than we turned our back on them and allowed Turkey to come in and take over this land that they were occupying. And yes, yes, you, you've done it as part of a ceasefire, but the commitment is that the Kurds have been pushed out of this area and have been displaced. On top of that, the other thing that's happened is that you've, as a result of this, you've opened the door for a partnership between Turkey and, and Russia. And, and this is, look, I mean, I, I guess I just think what you have is is you have the Soviet Union. You have Russia that was for years and years and years after Reagan and the first President Bush. What you saw is, is that, you know, Russia, was it a superpower? Yes. But was it a, a greatly diminished superpower? Absolutely. What we've seen happen over the last several years, in particular during the Obama years and the Trump years, is you've seen that Russia, which whose economy is still a complete and total mess, but Russia has had a revitalization, and now you have us funding NATO, for example, which is supposed to be, you know, in some parts designed to protect Turkey from Russia incursion. And now what you have is you have Russia and Turkey that are, butter, you know, that are essentially buddying up to each other, which makes you wonder, okay, what, what do we have? What's going on with NATO there? President Trump obviously doesn't view Russia as a threat to stability of the region. I think he is wrong in that regard. And these moves, again, who are the winners here? Well, the, the winners are, you know, the Syrian regime. The winners are Turkey. The winners are Russia. The losers are our allies, the Kurds, and the losers, I think, is international prestige. And, and yeah, I guess we'll be able to figure out five years from now or ten years from now whether this has really been as disastrous a foreign policy move as I think a lot of people think it is. Time will tell. I am more than a little bit skeptical, though. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's 2.35, so very glad to have you with us. All right, Halloween coming up. But the actual date for Halloween is the 31st, so, you know, a little over a week from now. Halloween's going to, the trick-or-treat thing for kids in most neighborhoods is going to be, you know, over the weekend. We have talked about that before. And this is the time where if you turn on cable television, you're going to see all the different scary movies that are out there. And I... I you know, I'm a movie aficionado. I'm a movie fan. And I, I, I've i never, do I watch scary movies from time to time? Yes. But I, I've just never, I've never gotten into the idea that, gee, I want to sit in this darkened theater and pay money to be scared. I, I don't know why. It's, it's just me. But I understand that there's a lot of people out there that absolutely love that. Again, it's not me. There's something else 
that I do not understand. And I, this is legitimate here. Uh, and that is the whole tradition of Halloween haunted houses. Now, in this area, we have a, a series of haunted houses, you know, that are, you know, operated by, you know, various groups and people go and they pay money and they, you know, they, they try to get scared. And I, I haven't gotten it. Now, I just sent out a tweet on this. There's a story off of, out of Fox News. Halloween Haunted House releases pictures of terrified visitors. Prepare to be scared at the Nightmares Fear Factory in Niagara Falls, but be warned. Your terrified reaction to the spooky attractions might just hit social media. Ahead of Halloween, the amusement has been frightening, exciting, brave souls who dare to tour the scariest haunted house in, you know, in uh, Niagara Falls. And, and then it, you know, it talks about the legend of this and it's showing all these people who are, you know, just scared out of their wits by something that's going on in, in the house. They, they call this place the Fear Factory. It claims that thousands of visitors have been too scared to continue on the tour after entry and choose to exit early by screaming out nightmares. That's their that's the safe term with over 160,000 names on the so-called chicken list. All right, that that's that's great. And then what happens is this Nightmares Fear Factory shares the greatest fear picks of the day on their website. And I'm like looking at, at some of these, these people who look like they're genuinely terrified. And they say like 160,000 people that, that paid money to go in here don't finish it. There's an, another haunted house, and I was watching some of this video somewhere in Tennessee. And I was going to send out a link to that, but then it was just kind of like too weird. The guy, the guy who runs this amusement claims that nobody Nobody has ever gone through this thing in its entirety that everybody has kind of like tapped out. And then he's got like an hour and a half movie showing, you know, people who are begging for this to stop. Now, I recognize that that most haunted houses aren't like this type of thing. I, I get it. But nevertheless, you're going in these things with the idea that you're going to want to be scared. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to have a little bit of fun in this segment. All right, are you a haunted house person? Is this, I can't wait till Halloween comes around because I know the, you know, XYZ place. I love this haunted house. I love to go in there. I love to be scared. I want to be scared witless. Are, are you one of those folks or like me? Do you plain and simple just not get it? 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if there is a haunted house you know, in this area that is particularly terrifying, that you know you like to go to, even if it means you can't get through it because you want to tap out, I, I we can talk about that as well. 414-799-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The whole phenomena of haunted houses... Do you understand it? Do you love it? And what is it about it that appeals to you so much? 414-799-1620. Gru is lining up the calls back to discuss in just a moment. Haunted house fans, freaks, or just non-believers. We want to talk to you. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. It is that time. Haunted houses. And I sent out a tweet, you know, with a link to a story about 
like one of they claim it's one of the scariest haunted houses in the country. I I admit I just I don't understand this. I understand there's people that just can't get enough of it and absolutely love it, but I don't know. You're spending thirty forty bucks to be scared witless. What what is the appeal? Natasha in Greenfield, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. I love the name Natasha, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's great. Okay, what? Uh, all right, are you a fan of haunted houses? Yes, I love haunted houses. Me and my friends, we go every single weekend in October. I've already gone to six. Okay. We drive We drive all over the state for them, too. So, I mean, it's great. But I'm the kind of person that's not really there to necessarily be scared because I... And not easily scared. I like to go to see the actual like scenes and the props and the stories and the costumes because I'm like a real creative person. Okay. So a lot of time and effort is put into making these rooms and these scenes and the stories. And we always like to compare. Like after we go to a couple, we're like, oh, well, that room was really cool the way they had it set up and this and that. And that's kind of like what we're there to see. Okay, but, did, I mean, do you get scared when you go through it or not really? A couple sometimes, but I'm not the kind of person that's, like, on edge and, like, oh, waiting for the monster to pop out at <laughs> me. Because it's like I know they're going to be there. Right, so. right, right, right. Okay, What's if you, if you were going to recommend one haunted house that you've been to, you know, like, let's say this year, that people yeah. should go to, what would it be? I like the Soul Reapers. It was down in Wilmot. Okay. <laughs> And so it's about an hour from Milwaukee, but out of all the ones I've gone to so far, that's the scariest one. Okay, you drove you drove an hour to to see the haunted house. Yeah. Okay. Well, Natasha, that, I mean, thanks for that. That's I, I mean, I I just I understand there is a lot of appeal to this, and I'm I'm not minimizing four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Jason in Madison. Hi, Jason. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm well, thank you. My note says that you are the manager of a Haunted House. I am a manager. Uh, okay. It's a very large operation. It's uh, Screaming Acres in uh, in Madison, uh, right. between Oregon and Stilton. Um, and as far as the um, not getting, like, why people would want to be scared, I mean, I, I get that. Right. However, after every scare that I do, after every time a person jumps, every time every, a person screams... Right after the scream is always a smile. So it is complete enjoyment from every single person who uh, comes walking through our haunt. Right. Kind of like the, when you go to like the, the slasher movie, for example, and the, you know, the, the guy comes out of the closet with the knife or whatever, and everybody jumps and screams, and then people kind of laugh as a release or something like that. Right. I mean, it's just um, it's an adrenaline high for the people who are getting scared. It's a extreme adrenaline high for the people who are scaring them. And it is um, to me, it is just worth it. And like the previous caller said, just the the everything that's put into it, the art, the construction, the um, mm-hmm. acting ability, um, everything that everybody puts into it. It's a pretty huge um production that. how much planning goes into this i mean okay so it obviously the 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 haunted house runs about a month i would assume like late september right. through how much how much work and planning goes into staging one of these things for a given season an entire year really um right after um we're done with the season the day after we are planning for the next season and okay. we're starting construction for the next season it's a um it's a huge 
operation. And we do that because we don't we don't want it to be cheesy. We don't want it to be fake. All right, we want people to come through and be and be authentically scared, not just like. <laughs> Um, not just thinking like, okay, that's cheesy. And if people laugh at us, great. We, we love laughter as well. If people make fun of us, if, <laughs> if that makes you happy, sure. But if people it, scream and get scared, we're right with that. Is there a, is it, is it tough to top yourself year after year? Cause I assume you have to, I assume that there's maybe some standbys, you know, old standbys that you bring back every year, but do you have to come up with different concepts and kind of figure out, okay, what are we going to do different this year that we didn't do like last year? We have to constantly keep it fresh. Um, we make it a point to change a section or change an area um, in our haunt to make sure that um, people who that people that can come back year after year and expect something new and expect something different. Right. Right. Interesting. Well, thank, thanks for calling. And again, I, I I just I I just don't understand. <laughs> I, I mean, I I guess I understand the hey you're scared and then everybody kind of laughs about it and things like that. I just I. I've, I kind of liken it to I've just never been a fan of, of the scary movies, but I understand there, there's people out there that just absolutely love it. Casey and Racine. Casey, you're in WTMJ. Hey. Hi, Casey. I, um, I'm in agreement with you. I just do not get it. I don't. Um, as a kid, I would go to haunted houses with my friends, high school, you know, college, and I'd be scared. I'd be the guy that would, you know, tap out right before – Right before we went in, looking for a refund. I mean, just as an adult, I thought, well, you know, this is silly. They're not real. I should try to prove something to myself. And I just, you know, I'm just over it. I don't even make the attempt anymore. I just <laughs> don't understand why people pay, you know, good money. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, I was I mean, some of these are, I mean, it's not cheap. I mean, it's 25 30 40 bucks, depending yeah. on where you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you're, so you're with me. You, you, just, you just don't I, get it. I don't do it. I just do not get it. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I, again, thanks, I, Casey. I appreciate. I, just, I I understand that. I mean, there's you know different strokes for different folks. Um, here's Jeff. I think it's the same reason people go to ride roller sco- coasters. It's scary, but it's safe. Well, there, there might be some element to that. I again, I, I I've said this before. I um I did not get the roller coaster gene in my family. Um, I my but my brother did. But you, but you're right. You know. That yeah, you're you're going upside down and zero to sixty on the Incredible Hulk ride, you know, in the first three or four seconds, and and there's some people that just love it, and that's never been me. Jeff, um, my daughter has been going since she was twelve. She's twenty one years now. We're going to the thirteenth floor in Chicago. That is on our list um, this year. Jeff, I'm with you. I don't care for them at all. But my wife can't wait for Halloween to roll around for these haunted houses. No thanks. Yeah, that's one where you say, sweetheart, you know, take take the kids, take the grandkids. You know, you go with your girlfriends. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Jess and Colette. Columbus. Jess, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. Hi. I am firmly in your camp. Okay. There is, I have been known to walk out of, well, years ago, like 43 years ago, I walked out of a haunted house pregnant with one and carrying, literally <laughs> carrying in my arms a two-year-old. And this is in the Dells where things are pretty simple. And right. I opened the door backwards. And when I came out, the owner said, what? How did you do that? <laughs> but uh, no, no, I've walked through walls in Hawaii, through the Dole pumpkin or Dole pineapple maze. That's scary to me. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I do love roller coasters. Oh, so you got the roller coaster gene in the family, Indeed. huh? Indeed. Indeed. Right, what's the yeah. best one you've ever been on? 
Um, oh, it's been so many years now, but I liked the one that was in um, Great America. Okay. All right, down, down to Gurney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, th- yeah. Thank, yeah no, thanks again. I, I, I didn't get the roller coaster gene, and I didn't get. Uh, I, I, but the, the scary stuff. I, I just. I, I mean, I, have I gone to haunted houses? Absolutely. Do I? Do I understand what the fun is and why people would like them? And do I also appreciate that the fact that the people who put these together spend a ton of time doing this? Yeah. At the same time, uh, this story, and again, I sent it out on Twitter, if you follow me, at Jeff Wagner 620 where they, they keep they take people's pictures when they're in this thing. And, I mean, it's just, I'm just looking at this story. These people look genuinely, genuinely terrified, and that there's 160,000 people who have gone through this haunted house who have tapped out, who said, I, we, we don't want to finish this. I'm thinking, okay, there must be something going on there. If 160,000 people who, who presumably – aren't like me who love the fact that there's a haunted house if they can't get through it because they're too scared what is that what does that say alex in west bend alex you're on wtmj good afternoon hi uh i love haunted houses um and just like from a physiological response like talking about like the physiology and the body no actually no other emotion besides fear causes a greater like uh, endocrine and uh-huh. later response within the body, which is, I think, why people who enjoy haunted houses enjoy them so much because it's, you know, they almost get addicted to that, uh, right. that, that stimulus that you get from it. So I, I personally am a huge fan of, of haunted houses. Um, I, Unfortunately, don't often get scared, but um, I still enjoy them. But so, so even though you, even though you've been to enough that you probably understand, like okay, maybe what's going to happen or the mechanics of how they do stuff, it it just it really never gets old for you. No, definitely not. And uh, what they're, they're, I'm actually intrigued because they're talking about it this morning on the morning show, um, a McKinney haunted house, which is like the most scariest haunted house ever yeah exactly. this is the one down in tennessee the guy has yeah. like an hour and a half movie he claims nobody has ever been able to go through the haunted house you know that, yeah that that has me very intrigued <laughs> <laughs> well my here's my advice i i would watch the video first because they like do stuff to people they end up like covered in mud and things like that so i i'd watch the video before you sign up for that that would be my yeah. only advice <laughs> but yeah no i i agree i i haven't looked into it too much i heard it this morning and i haven't been able yeah. to do much research yeah but. no th- thanks for call. i i was actually I, I sent out a tweet to another haunted house in Niagara Falls. This is one in Tennessee, and it's the guy's made an hour and a half movie of his, and it it the whole thing looks. I mean, it, he's got like a farm, and this is down on his farm, and the whole thing looks really like kind of last house on the left type of stuff to me, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Maybe that's what makes the appeal of it. Is bottom line is um, okay. Halloween is coming up. I was just looking. There's a number of. Of course, you know, haunted houses in this area. There's also things like ghost walks and stuff like that. And, and this is the time, if you haven't done it yet and you want to do it, it's running out of time. There is, I will tell you, there's a tour that I have. I'm, I'm a Key West guy. I love to go to Key West. We go there once a year. And I, I just, one of the things is they have this like haunted, haunted bus tour of Key West, all these different spots and all. And I've always wanted to go on that. I haven't. 
I don't think this year is going to be the, the – we're going back in February, but I don't think this year is going to be the year we're going to do it because we've got some other stuff to do and we're there for less time. But I – I, I think something like that in a controlled situation I might appreciate, but I I don't know. I when I hear 160,000 people have tapped out and couldn't finish, I I think you know that might be one where here just let me drink my beer. You guys go have fun. All right, when we come back, we're going to find out what Eric and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around. <laughs> 